so genre it's the easiest thing ever right even if you know nothing about music theory you know what it is you know how to identify it seriously like you don't even need to know anything about what a scale even is to know that this scale sounds maybe a bit spanish or something or that this sounds like the blues We can even simplify it down to just one chord, like the exact same chord, same pitches, just strummed once but on three different guitars. And just hearing those three versions of the same chord, you can make some pretty accurate assumptions about what genre of music is being played or suggested. We're all able to get these generic classifications right without really much thought at all. It just sort of happens automatically, even for the most casual music listener. It really is that easy. Great. Done. Let's, let's wrap it up. Well, not so fast. It's obviously not that straightforward at all. For one, if it were that easy, we wouldn't have those interminable arguments between music fans that we've all seen. Just go to any social media site. Twitter is a good example. Loads of arguments about what genre certain artists fit into. One, I see a lot. Are the Beatles pop or rock? Are they prog, maybe? Obviously not, say some. Absolutely yes. At least on Abbey Road, say others. And we all know the Gatekeeper fans. It's pretty much standard in some music genres or subcultures to really rigidly police generic boundaries. And it's the favourite activity of the obnoxious music nerd. Think John Cusack and co in High Fidelity. We all know him. At its best, or least bad, this attitude is just a sort of annoying bit of gatekeeping or pedantry. You know, someone might say, no, they're not actually a Norwegian black metal band because they didn't actually burn down a church or murder anyone. Or someone else might say, actually, it's only Delta River Blues if it was recorded on the Mississippi Delta. If it's from anywhere else, it's actually Sparkling River Blues. I think this is often just a bit of an attempt to impress with superior knowledge to show that they know something about the exact specifics of obscure genre categories. But it's probably pretty harmless overall. It usually just leads people into a nigh-on endless division of music, into loads of subcategories like, and these are some of my favourite esoteric genres that I found on Rita Music, cowpunk, gore noise, stenchcore, scrumpy and western. Come on guys, what are you playing at? At its worst though, that pedantry can turn into a really quite aggressive dogmatism, an attempt to hold back musical or cultural change or exchange. Think of that guy who shouted Judas at Bob Dylan for, oh my god, using an electric guitar in a folk song. <gasps> Crazy. I don't believe you. Are those blues purists who seem to hate the idea of commercially successful blues music or just updating the style to current tastes. But then, on the other hand, we have those people who completely reject the idea that genre is even really a thing, arguing that it's just a way of artificially distinguishing between styles and sounds, a sort of stylistic segregation that only serves to limit artistic expression. Or even, an attitude I see quite a lot, an invention of record companies used to market music to you. 
These people, those who don't believe in genre, are likely to say, why can't it all be music, you know? Why does it have to be pigeonholed into these different genres? Surely it's all part of the same thing. Music is music. End of. Maybe we should just live in a genreless world. If genre were as simple as this stupid bit at the start of this video suggested, we probably wouldn't have these two diametrically opposed attitudes, would we? So who is correct? Is genre so important that we need to have an infinite division of music into a million different subgenres, sub-subgenres, and micro-genres? Do we need to have these drawn-out debates about what indie music really is or what real folk music is in order to protect what makes these genres unique? Or is genre just made-up nonsense, an unproductive and unhelpful way of drawing boundaries between musical styles just to benefit record companies? Hmm. So I think that both sides are partly right, or maybe better yet, both sides are partly wrong. Let me explain. So I maintain that musical genre is most definitely a thing. It's a very important and indeed inescapable thing. I think, in fact, to take it one step further, that genre is everything in music and art generally really. I'm not sure if anything in music, musical vocabulary, timbre, instrumentation, vocal accent and style, arrangement, even something as straightforward as song length, I'm not sure if any of it makes sense to us or has any impact at all without an understanding of genre. Or maybe it's more accurate to say that you can't make any choice about those things that doesn't come from or relate to genre in some way. And that's simply because genre is culture, and for us humans, culture is everything. Now that I hopefully have your attention, please check out my channel for more videos. I talk about a bunch of different music, always from a songwriting first sort of perspective, and always at least trying to make a substantive point. Sometimes I look closely at one song, sometimes I tackle a topic or style, Sometimes I have people on to chat. One time I even had a proper musician on too. Wow, like a proper musician with albums that like char and stuff. Amazing. Check it out. So imagine for a second trying to write, say, a novel in English while knowing nothing about the cultures that speak English. It would be crap. Or maybe it would just be impossible to do at all. Figurative language, metaphors, cultural references, implications, suggestions, euphemisms, these are all so completely baked into language that you need some understanding of a culture in order to properly speak its language. Let's just take a really simple example, the opening sentence of a book that I love, Moby Dick, Call Me Ishmael. Just three words, and I chose it purposely because it is so short, but there's already so much said here that isn't explicitly said unless you understand the culture from which it comes. The name Ishmael itself is a complex thing. Ishmael is a male name. It's a biblical name. And obviously that entails a hell of a lot of cultural meaning that I'm not going to go into now. The point is that the only hope you have of knowing any of these things is if you know something about Abrahamic religions and what we might generally call Western culture, right? At the very least, even if you're uninterested in the biblical context, reading this opening sentence, you know that the first person narrator of Moby Dick is a guy, but only if you know about the culture to some degree that created this book. 
Imagine the same principle multiplied across every word, every sentence, every paragraph, every chapter of every book ever written in any language. So just like there is no language and therefore no literature divorced from culture, there is also no music divorced from culture. And this is what genre is about. But just to be clear on something, although I do think that genre is definitely real and it is indeed everything in music, that doesn't mean I think it's a strict or necessarily normative thing either. It's not necessarily about what you can or should or shouldn't play though it can be, it's more about the language and tropes and standards that make up music. It's mostly descriptive rather than prescriptive. That primarily descriptive nature, though, doesn't make it any less real or important, as a lot of people seem to think. The point here is that generic expectations and understandings are there regardless of whether you believe in them or not, so you'd best believe in them and understand them. Let's look a bit closer at what I'm talking about and what I'm saying will become a lot clearer, I hope. So, I already touched on two of the things that make up genre at the start of this video, musical vocabulary and timbre. Some musical vocabulary, basically the notes that are being played, the rhythm they're being played to, will be indicative of one genre and other vocabulary will be indicative of another. A lick or melody that sounds obvious at home in a traditional Irish folk environment isn't really going to sound the same as like jazzy playing. We can all pick up quite quickly on this sort of vocabulary without much conscious thought, whether they're played on the appropriate instruments or not. So when someone like Jimmy Page plays traditional Celtic style melodies with rock instruments, Well, that's precisely what he's doing, folk vocabulary in a rock idiom. Genre is central to understanding music, even, maybe especially, when the genres are being mixed up then. Anyway, we also have timbre, as I showed at the start of the video, sometimes timbres by themselves are strongly suggestive of genre. Certain types of guitar distortion are more at home in some styles than others, some instruments are found in one musical tradition and not as much in another. Heck, even the way that someone sings or plays, you know, the same instruments across genres is genre dependent. Take violinists, how much pressure they put on the bow, how much rosin they use varies across genre. But we have a load of other things beyond musical vocabulary and timbre that shape how we understand genre. Each element by itself might be suggestive of different generic traditions without being completely determinative, of course. That is to say, a piece of music isn't just, say, a folk tune just because it uses a folksy melody. A song isn't just a rock song just because it uses a distorted electric guitar. So, some other elements that play a part in musical genre, and just to be clear, this isn't meant to be comprehensive. Some of these are lyrics, arrangement and production, mode of dissemination, qualitative standards, purpose or end goal of a composition, and then scene or cultural milieu. So some of these are obvious, like lyrics. There are so many lyrical tropes that act as immediate generic signals. I woke up this morning, my baby left me. Blues, obviously. Pickup trucks, beer, country, flag, America. Country music, usually. Elves, goblins, wizards and aliens. Probably progressive rock. Pretty simple then. 
Arrangement is similarly easy to understand, I think. There's some very clear generic conventions when it comes to arranging songs. Country, rock, blues and pop songs, for example, are all actually arranged pretty similarly. They tend to have one main vocal line. That is to say they're mostly homophonous rather than polyphonous. They have broadly similar approaches to percussion and even though they can differ plenty in terms of actual instrumentation, production and, as I've already said, lyrics, their instrumental arrangements are broadly analogous with similar approaches to bass lines, riffs, chords and backing tracks. Classical music clearly has a very, very different approach to arrangement, recording and production. It sounds immediately different and then jazz does too. Now even these distinctions, as obvious they may be at times, aren't 100% clear. They're not solid, stable lines that demarcate genres neatly from one another. But that isn't really the point. They're clusters and their tendencies and that's enough. Like, no one would argue that risotto isn't really an Italian dish just because Indian, Chinese, Malaysian, Indonesian, Spanish, Bangladeshi, etc. cuisines also use rice, right? Once we get to mode of dissemination, we're getting into the less obvious characteristics of genre. You can't always necessarily immediately hear it when you're listening to the music, but it's no less important. Each genre has its own history of how and where it's heard, which plays a huge part in what it is, what it sounds like, who listens to it, and what it's for. Now, today, virtually all music is listened to, at least in industrialized countries, on either speakers or headphones of some kind via digital files, CDs, I guess, or streaming. But once upon a time, music was, of course, played exclusively live to vastly smaller audiences than today, and music was learned from others by word of mouth, people passing songs from person to person. This mode of dissemination is most commonly seen even today in folk music all around the world. Up until the 20th century, it was how most European and American folk music was spread from person to person too. From its inception though, rock music was closely linked with the radio to the extent that it makes up a lot of the mythology of early rock and roll and 60s and 70s rock, often being directly referenced in the lyrics. Turn up your Rock music was made in part for the radio and other forms of popular consumption. This meant that these early rock musicians were often very conscious of how the average person was going to listen to their music, quite often on crappy mono speakers, in their cars, at home or at work, and they mixed their music based partly on that understanding. And then even up to today, different record companies are still known for different genres and you can still expect to some extent to see different genres on different streaming services. Even here, this isn't just genre as marketing. It takes real expertise to, for example, record a classical symphony properly and in the right space. That's why there are classical record labels. You can't just leave it to any random indie rock label and expect it to come out the same way. The next two on my list are very closely linked and they're kind of the same thing. Standards and purpose. So qualitative standards vary greatly across genres. Taking one example, a good folk musician is very different to a good jazz musician. Heck, I'm sure that there are gonna be plenty of jazz musicians who don't consider most folk musicians very good at all. Similarly, a good rap vocalist is very, very different to a good opera vocalist. And again, we know for a fact that there is a lot of anti-rap snobbery out there. The thing is though, Although snobbery is obviously bad, 
it quite often gets at something very real. It's not completely unjustified for a jazz musician to think less of folk musicians, given that even the best folk musicians can get through entire careers with a handful of basic chords, and would honestly struggle playing through the changes on even the simplest of jazz standards. And it is easy to see why an operatic tenor might have a low opinion of a rapper, right? Let's take a famous example and look briefly at what Quincy Jones said about the Beatles in a 2018 interview. He said, quite bluntly, that when he first met them in the 60s, he thought they were, and I'm quoting him here, the worst musicians in the world. He called them no-playing motherfuckers. Paul McCartney was the worst bass player I ever heard. And ask him about Ringo? Don't even talk about it. At the time, loads of people jumped on either the yeah, the Beatles actually suck train, or on the what does Quincy Jones think he's talking about? What an idiot train. Now, it's worth noting that he's since come out and he's taken his statements back a bit, and he says he regrets saying them, that he thinks the Beatles are actually good, blah, blah, blah. But let's actually take him seriously here for a second. I don't think it's completely insane that he'd say that. This is Quincy Jones. He's going to be very used to playing with and recording very, very competent musicians. People like George Benson, for Christ's sake. Most musicians that Quincy has worked with, from a purely technical competency point of view, put the Beatles to shame. I think, in a way, Quincy's comments are not that bad, clearly hyperbolic, maybe they got him on a bad day, but from a certain perspective, maybe fair enough, the musicians Quincy usually worked with could run rings around any of the Beatles. But I also think it's clear that the Beatles could run rings around them when it comes to, say, songwriting. They were working in different idioms and genres, so the standards and the expected skill sets are going to be very different across each bit of the music making process. So, back to my early comparisons. Folk musicians really do tend to be quite bad at music if we're comparing them to how jazz musicians play music. But it goes both ways. Jazz musicians are often pretty bad at what folk musicians are good at. I cannot imagine Miles Davis would ever be able to make an album like Blood on the Tracks. Bob Dylan would also have no chance of making an album and Bob Dylan would have no chance of making an album like Bitches Brew either. That doesn't mean either of them are bad. And rappers are, in fact, pretty shit at a lot of things that opera singers are good at. No one doubts that, right? But this also goes the other way. Opera singers are probably not going to be very good at the skills that most rappers take for granted. Watch your own back, him in and go out alone, black. Stay in the zone, turn H2O to cognac. So, different genres have different standards, right? But why? Well, and this, like everything else I'm saying, this is kind of a massive overgeneralization, but the reason that standards vary so much across genres is at least partly down to the fact that different genres are for different things. We all know this, I think, on some level, but it's not always consciously acknowledged. Jazz is many things, and it's obviously hard to generalize perfectly, but I'm, it's not going to stop me from trying. But I think it's, it's fair to say that it's often a sort of musical game or like a conversation between musicians. I mean, its roots lie directly in musicians getting bored with playing the same standards time and time again in clubs and trying to make it interesting for themselves. 
expectations to this day within jazz directly reflect this origin and history. Folk music though is much more about storytelling, history, places and politics. Because of this, bad lyrics, or maybe just, I don't know, trivial lyrics, are less acceptable in folk music than most genres. Whereas I think it's fair to say that in jazz, lyrics are either completely unnecessary for a lot of jazz, or just, honestly, whenever I listen to jazz with lyrics, I feel like there are no lyrical standards. They quite often crap or average, maybe. I don't know, that's just my opinion and based on what I've heard. Either way, sorry. And then, of course, all music is or can be about dancing. That's pretty universal, but each genre has its own traditions of dance from jigs and kayleys and folk to headbanging and moshing. Yes, both of those are forms of dance in rock and metal. The point is, purpose or end goal is super important with music, and this is inexorably linked with genre. So finally, there's scene, the cultural milieu from which a genre comes. I put this one last because it's not really its own thing. It's just all of the above and everything else. It's sort of the gist of it all. As I said before, genre is everything in music because genre is culture. Genres are what they are because of the cultural context within which they developed. To say that genre isn't real, is to act as though genres don't come from different cultural contexts. If it were true, the genre isn't really a thing, then music would be like completely untethered from actual human and societal contexts. Different traditions have different ways of solving different problems they face while often trying to meet different goals or serving different purposes. Even when these purposes are universal or near universal, like dancing, each genre has its own approach, shaped by its own history and cultural context. Folk dances can be fairly raucous affairs, but there tends to be at least some level of formalism to it. There is a set routine. Classical dance, say ballet, is heavily formalized with much more of a barrier between performer and audience. It's not the kind of thing you can learn in five minutes after drinking a few pints. And then rock and metal dancing, you know, head banging and moshing, it's clearly a world away from both ballet and folk dancing, but it's still all fundamentally dancing, and importantly, it is all genre dependent. Interestingly, the whole genres aren't really a thing side is probably best represented amongst very, very good musicians. We have Duke Ellington, who said that there are only two musical genres as far as he's concerned, good and bad. Chris Thiel, the phenomenal mandolinist and singer-songwriter, has also repeatedly expressed the same opinion, even saying in this 2014 tweet that genre hopping isn't a thing because genre isn't a thing. He's also said he hopes for a genreless world. Jacob Collier has also said somewhat similar things, saying that he doesn't really think in terms of genre at all, and that he doesn't think it's a very useful concept, particularly for his music, which is fair enough. He's also one of those people though who seems to think that genre is just a concept used to sell records. So look, it's arguably peak arrogance of me to sit here and say that they are wrong. I think the obvious inclination is, which I think is also fair enough, is usually gonna to be to side with these world famous, stupendously talented and skilled musicians, right? I mean, Duke Ellington, Chris Thiel and Jacob Collier, they all agree genre isn't a thing. It mustn't be. 
But I think they're about as wrong on this as the other side of the conversation. You know, those music fans you might find on Reddit or Rate Your Music who get caught up in their precious subgenres and the minute differences between them. Okay, so they're maybe not as wrong, but wrong is wrong, so it kind of doesn't matter. I think that what's happened here is that highly, highly competent musicians, particularly those who play jazz or jazz adjacent styles, become so accustomed to the fact that they play music that mixes loads of genres into one big amalgamation that they lose sight of a few important things. Firstly, not every musician mixes or blurs genres like they do. Not everybody wants to. Some musicians just want to play punk or blues or hip-hop and they don't want to play hip-hop, blues, jazz, metal, folk fusion. And that's fine. Secondly, mixing lots of genres doesn't mean that genres aren't real. I think this one's pretty obvious. In the same way that making fusion cuisine doesn't mean different national or regional cuisines aren't a thing, mixing a bunch of musical genres together into one thing doesn't mean the genres aren't real. It just means you're mixing them. And thirdly, they simply lose sight of the fact that they're working in genres themselves defined by the extent to which they combine other genres Jazz genres, particularly jazz fusion-y stuff, are by definition eclectic and genre-confounding genres. But that doesn't undermine the reality of the concept, it just means it's a different type of genre, it's self-defined by its comparatively unboundaried approach. Even here though, there are limits to the genre mixing. Chris Thiel or Jacob Collier can say they don't really believe in genre, all they like, but I don't see them collaborating with I don't know, DIY anarchist punks on two-chord rants against fascistic governments and online turfs. And let's be honest, as genre-bending as their music might be, we still know, broadly speaking, who is listening to their music. Those same punks that they're not collaborating with certainly aren't the ones lining up to see their concerts. It's mostly folk and bluegrass guys for Chris, and it's mostly jazzers or music school students for Jacob. Which is obviously completely fine, that's great. My point though is that it's all a part of what we call this messy thing that is genre. I think a mistake that these incredible musicians and otherwise genuinely well-informed people make is that they see that genre gatekeeping is bad, which it is, they notice how incredibly messy the concept of genre is and how porous the boundaries are. All okay so far, we definitely agree. But they then therefore conclude that it's all nonsense, that it's not useful at all to think in terms of genre. But all I can say to that is, welcome to society, I guess? Welcome to the human race? You know what else is messy, inconsistent, ever-changing, porous and flexible but still real? Language, film genre, literary genre, national cuisines, architectural styles, national and regional cultures, national identities, political philosophies, societal expectations of ourselves. Fucking everything, to be honest. Or maybe just everything that's important to people. There always have been and there always will be people who combine genres in new and different ways and who don't sit comfortably within one single genre. To be honest, that's, if not most, then a lot of musicians to some extent. But that doesn't mean they're not working within generic conventions or that they truly transcend genre. Let's just close by looking at the thumbnail I made for this episode. Okay, so these are three very famous musicians, so it's kind of cheating. And maybe, definitely, I am being a bit glib here, 
but come on, you know what sort of music they play just by looking at them. Like a dragon suit and double neck Gibson guitar, that's rock music. It certainly isn't jazz or folk or punk or disco. It's maybe a little bit disco actually, but that's how important an all-encompassing genre is. You can't escape it and you shouldn't really want to because, to repeat myself again, genre is culture and culture is everything. I don't think I'm saying anything that isn't really obvious, really, to be quite honest. Thanks for watching this video. There's actually another 10 to 15 minutes worth of material that I wrote and then deleted in order to keep this video a reasonable-ish length. So please, if I've missed out anything that you would have liked to hear about, comment below. If you think anything needs clarifying, comment below. If you enjoyed my video, please comment below. Or if you think I'm completely wrong and I am actually an idiot, you get the point, maybe just comment below. Either way, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and like and share and all that stuff, please and thanks.